Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Let's Talk About Brand. I, of course, am your host, Christine Gritman. We're coming at you every single week with a drop of the podcast of Let's Talk About Brand via the Adweek Podcast Network on Mondays, findable on the podcast listener of your choice. We also have the video podcast dropping on YouTube every Friday, so welcome if you're joining us over there. And then in between the two, I host Chat About Brand on Twitter on Tuesdays on the same topic as that week's show. This week's show is all about brand positioning, one of the most crucial elements of any branding process. So we're going to talk today about what brand positioning is, what it means, what it doesn't mean, and what are perhaps some distracting, buzzwordy elements that aren't as important as some agencies would like you to believe. We're going to really get into it today. And today our guest, Todd Irwin, knows all about it. He is the chief strategist at Fraser, which is a branding and creative agency. So without any further ado, let's bring Todd on. Hello. Hello, Todd. How are you doing? Hey, Christine. Good to see you. Good to see you. Good to be here. Yeah. Um, Now, this is very interesting. So I thought we were going to be talking about one thing today via, you know, our emails. And then when we had our chat before we went live, I realized that we're actually taking it in a slightly different direction, which I love. I love that this is actually going to be a pretty meaty discussion today. Um, So one of the things that that we were kind of planning for before was talking about brand purpose and purpose-based positioning. But um, but yeah. apparently that's kind of uh, not as useful a buzzword as I would have thought. So first and foremost, let's kick things off. Uh, tell us what uh, purpose-based branding is and why it's yeah. perhaps not all some people are cracking it up to be in the world of branding right now. Well, it is a real it is a real buzzword. Um, it is such a buzzword that there are actually agencies that use the word in their agency name. Um, I, I believe there's an agency called Purpose, and that's all they do is brand purpose. Um, it really has you know you know gotten to the forefront of agency thinking when in, when it comes to brand strategy. Um, I, I'm a little bit of a contrarian on the subject, um, I, and it's not that I don't believe brand purpose is important. I do. I think brand purpose is incredibly important. It's just that what's happened is a lot of agencies um, want their clients to lead with brand purpose. Um, and I just don't think that's, you know, uh, what they should be doing. And the reason is, is that consumers, uh, when they're in buying mode, they're not walking out onto the street or going onto Google, uh, you know, to find something. They're not thinking of, you know, in terms of, let me find a brand that's got a great purpose. You know, Um, they're thinking in terms of, I need something. 
right? I got to buy it, right? Whether, you know, it's uh, a service or whether it's an actual hard product, right? Well, they're actually, of, I've got a desire, I got, you know, or I have a pain point I want to solve. That's what they're thinking. So I, I think that companies have to lead with, um, with relevance. So to that end, I actually want to back up there for a second. You said sure. that when customers are going out to buy something, they're not necessarily looking for a brand's purpose, as it were. They're looking to fulfill their need. However, yeah. there has been an increase in recent years. People have been talking about an increase in customers really wanting the brands that they support and the brands they spend their money with to align with their values. Now, values and purpose yeah. are slightly different things. So can you actually define what you mean by brand purpose and how it perhaps differs? Well, I think purpose is something that's bigger than just sales, right? So, um, I mean, obviously the, the big case study is Patagonia, you know, their CEO has got a higher purpose about the world. I mean, you know, Tom's was, a, was another one. I mean, so many brands, I mean, uh, they, they've aligned themselves with a higher purpose. And so uh, that's what purpose is. But I think I want to be very clear here. I do think that purpose is very important. Actually purpose can be a differentiator. It's just that, I don't believe that companies should be leading with purpose. I think they have to lead with understanding customer pain points and desires. And, um, um, and I think it's a mistake that agencies uh, have sort of shifted, uh, shifted their services to strategizing for their clients based around this idea of purpose. So that makes sense. You've got to bring the goods. You know, if you have a great brand purpose, but you're not actually delivering something that solves for your customer's pain point, yep. you know, what's the point? I like that. You know, it kind of gets back to everyone. I, To be fair, I like the whole idea of knowing your why, but it can't be your everything. So, so yes. to your point. Yeah. So to your point, we need to lead with relevance is what you say brands need to do. So, so let's dive into that. What do you, how do you feel brands should lead with relevance and how do they find that relevance? How do they define it and refine it? I mean, you know, when it comes to relevance, it's all about figuring out uh, desires, right? You got to dig into who's your customer, you know, figure out uh, you know, what are their deep desires? What are they looking for? Um, and also pain points, you know, when we work with clients, you know, we do a ton of workshopping up front to figure out those two things. And then if you really want to compete in a market, once you've got like desires figured out, once you have pain points figured out, you really know what they are for your customer or customers, right? You can segment your customers as well. Then, okay, how do we position ourselves against our competitors? And the best way to do that is through an approach that we call depositioning, where you highlight a positive about your company that shines a, a, a negative light on your competitors. And there's so, a lot of great case studies around uh, big companies that are doing that really, really well. So I'm curious about that because that immediate, and I'm sure there's more to it than this, but that immediately sounds to me like leading with the negatives. And yeah, I've gathered from our, our conversation before that that's not necessarily what it is. That's just where my brain goes when you talk about highlighting what your competition lacks. So yeah. can can you get into um, what sure. it actually means and what it actually looks like in practice, depositioning? Sure. Yeah, of course. And, you know, um, 
I, I just wrote an article in Branding Mag about this. Um, and the two big case studies that I cited were Apple and Starbucks. And so I think Apple is the biggest example of it right now. Um, and they've been doing it for the last five years. And it's, it's how they've positioned their brand around privacy, right? And so what's the story behind that? The story is that Apple, since their inception, has and was always positioned around this other idea, this idea called usability, right? Best computer in the world, so easy to use, all about design, right? Jobs, Steve Jobs was all about this, this idea called, called usability. The company was built around it, right? They built their products around it. They built their messaging around it. Everything about the company was built around this idea of usability. And then what happened? Um, Siri came out, Siri was first to market and um, they lost, they, Siri lost the war to Alexa and Apple never, never loses, right? But Alexa won, but what did Apple do? Apple looked at the market, they're like, all right, how are we gonna compete better, right? What can we deliver? They looked at customer desires, they looked at customer pain points. And what was the pain point? The pain point with what, with, with what Amazon was doing was transparency. People were afraid that Alexa was listening to everything that they did, right? There was a privacy issue. Apple is smart. We can deliver on privacy. Like we can really deliver on it. And they did deliver on it. They delivered on it in a way that was so compelling. You know, if you remember uh, five years ago, uh, that terrible. Uh, uh, Cambridge terror- Analytica with Facebook? No, or- no, no, the terrorist attack in, uh, in Orlando. Uh-huh. Uh, and they, they killed a terror- terrorist and they found his phone. And the FBI went to Tim Cook and said, can you unlock this? And he said, no, because we have a privacy policy. Wow. You can't align with the brand positioning better than what Tim Cook did in that instance. And there, if you look at Apple's advertising, it is, it's the same way that, you know, that Volvo leads with safety. They lead mm-hmm. with privacy now. You know, privacy is, is, is all Apple. So, so I'm intrigued by that because... Yeah. I'm intrigued by that because you mentioned Siri at the beginning and how people were, how Amazon lost uh, after a while because people were worried that Alexa, Amazon's Alexa was listening to everything. But people worried about that with Siri too. A lot of people were saying, you know, the reason I'll be talking about something in real life and then ads for it will pop up on my social media feeds and my my web browsing moments later is because Siri's always listening. So how how did Apple overcome that? Because this is the thing that I, because I'm someone personally who has Siri turned off on my phone. I'm not even particularly concerned about privacy in general, to be quite honest, but I have Siri turned off on my phone because I don't want it listening all the time. So how does Apple answer to something like that with the commitment to privacy? Yeah, I mean, I think, listen, without, you know, getting into the, the deeper technology side of this, I think the bottom line is that Apple has tried to deliver on a, a much higher level of a uh, technological product um, that delivers on privacy. Um, you know, they have a very confined network that's very closed. Um, I think in general, though, the product you're talking about, a product that is listening to you all the time, is always going to have or create that fear with people in general. Um, the difference is, is that Apple's owning privacy and they're, and they're creating products that are built around privacy. They're owning it from a brand standpoint, from a product standpoint, from a messaging standpoint. Amazon's not doing that, right? Amazon is all about open book, A to Z. Um, you know, it's, you know, I think 
it has influenced Google. If you if you if you're analyzing advertising right now and messaging of, of brands, Google is trying to um, uh, put out there a privacy message as well and say that they're investing in privacy technology because Google Home actually um, owns a bigger percentage of the market than Apple does. So Google Home has actually won over Siri too. But Google sees that there's a serious customer pain point. I haven't seen Amazon uh, uh, invest yet in privacy. Um, I could be wrong about that. Maybe they maybe they are. But I just haven't seen it, and I and I have been monitoring it. So, so one of the interesting things about the examples that you brought up here is that all of those are brands where that particular thing didn't necessarily start out as their brand message. Apple's original brand message was, of course, famously think different. It was about being an alternative to the then IBM dominated world of personal computing. And, um, you know, and, and Amazon, of course, started as a bookseller and now is an everything seller and, of course, is now Alexa. But back then it wasn't about privacy. So this is an interesting question about how the positioning you're leading with can shift essentially so so what are some what are some elements of that you think are important in order for that sort of positioning shift to be successful and for people to buy it well i mean when we approach brand positioning again you know it really is looking at customer desires definitely pain points and then figuring out how are we going to differentiate ourselves from competitors by highlighting their negatives apple did it with privacy um, you know, Starbucks does it with uh, this idea of community. Um, and if anybody's read uh, Howard Schultz's book um, about Starbucks, you know, they've got this concept called the third place, which is you've got home, you've got work, and then you've got Starbucks, right? Uh, Starbucks delivers on this place where you can go, you can get coffee, you can work all day. They're not going to kick you out. It's got a bathroom. You could eat lunch, right? It's got this very European vibe. It's very homey, right? It's that third place in your life. That's what they want. What? How is that depositioning? That is depositioning against Dunkin' Donuts, right? 50 cent coffee doesn't taste very good, but delivers the caffeine. It's not a great, you know, it's a kind of an eyesore in the neighborhood. <laughs> That's right? really funny. I've got a Dunkin' Cup right here. <laughs> right now, I, listen, I get it, you know. Uh, nothing <laughs> it was drive through I didn't gather, I didn't right. gather or hang out with anyone there. The only person I hang out with at a Dunkin' Donuts is my friend Tim Sohn because he's very into Dunkin'. Other than that, it is drive-through only. But it's I, I just want to say one interesting thing because, again, to sort of shift the perception of positioning, Starbucks and community, yes. you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, that would have been a disconnect simply because Starbucks had a reputation as pushing out community spaces of community coffee shops of the little mom and pop coffee shops. So yeah. that's an interesting point of shifting the focus. And I feel like they did even more than just the third place concept with that. I feel like they've done a lot with personalizing the community connection in their stores. They did as yeah. well. Yeah. And the way that they design their stores into communities now, I mean, I live in Manhattan um, and specifically I live in the East Village, which is a very sort of alternative, artistic, you know, community, very diverse. Right. Nobody wanted a Starbucks here. Right. And and when they came, you know, uh, we were like, oh, no, a Starbucks hit our neighborhood. You know what's going to and they designed it right into the community. It's a perfect perfect match to this community. And if you analyze how they have approached this in other communities, they've done an amazing job. I mean, they are the 
complete uh, opposite of a Dunkin' Donuts, um, which, you know, it, I think a Dunkin' Donuts, like, or even a 7-Eleven, sorry to go negative on brands here, but they, they, they lower the visual aesthetic of a community. Starbucks doesn't do that. And that's the big idea that Howard Schultz had. I mean, it's, it's actually, it's quite brilliant. Quite, whether you like them or not, the, the brand strategy is quite brilliant. <laughs> and it's interesting because you mentioned that, you know, towns that, that were like, oh, we can't have a Starbucks here. I, I have that up here in Nyack, New York. In fact, uh, there's a song called Busting Up a Starbucks that mentions Nyack. That, that Starbucks is the only chain business whatsoever in the village of Nyack. And yet it's very successful. I might be popping by there later today. It's, I mean, <laughs> so. Well, um, the value of the brand strategy right mm-hmm. there. Right? Yeah. It delivers in a way that they can do things that other brands can't. I can just order it on the app. But That's also, really what it's about. But because they do it, right? They can charge more money. They They're can, and they do. Charging 2X, 3X, 4X on a cup of coffee. And they've they made it so easy. They've made it so easy to literally text a gift card to somebody that I'm not even paying for my Starbucks because I have so many gift cards that people just easily sent to me. They have streamlined the experience. And I feel like, as you said, you know, convenience is one of the main things about Starbucks. But I love that you pointed out that they've added in the community element, which previously was something that people used to try to deposition them. If you think about it. And I love what you just said about brand experience. You're spot on because, and I would, I would argue, and I'll do it right now. I'm going to argue this right now. Go for that it. Brand, <laughs> that brand experience is way more important than brand purpose. Again, mm. I, I think brand purpose is important. It's, I think it's noble. I think it's wonderful if you do it and you mean it. But what is the customer looking for? The customer is looking for to solve the pain point or a desire. And then the brand experience, number two, if it's a great experience, I'm coming back. I'm coming back to a restaurant. I mean, I think it was Danny Meyer who said this, you know, uh, he said, we're, we're actually more about experience than we are about food. Food's important, like probably like number 1.2, right? But it's, it's the experience. And he, if you read that, uh, I forget the name of Danny Meyer's book, but it's a great book. And he talks about the experience that he had growing up with his dad, flying around the country and, um, going to the airport and the airlines, that, that experience he had with flight attendants, they were always so nice. They always were welcome, welcoming, even like in the worst, like turbulence or whatever, right? You know, sitting on the runway, they were always so nice. He's like, I'm going to bring that experience into a restaurant. And that's what he says makes his restaurants popular. People want to come back. So Brand experience. I mean, it's 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 critical. And so I'm going to argue it's the number two thing. <laughs> I love that. No, this is great. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, so let's get into the brand positioning hierarchy. So you did mention that you feel like purpose is, you know, maybe a little later, maybe three. You just said experiences too. Uh, let, let's kind of go through the list of the, the, the things you think are most important in, in brand position. In fact, can we start out with a... You're going to make me make a list off the top of my head right I now? Oh, am, wow. I that's am. I am making you work here. No. Um, First and foremost, what is brand positioning? Like, I feel I feel like we've talked about it this whole show, but how are we defining brand positioning? And then if you could talk about the elements that tend to go into it when you at Fraser are working with a client. Oh, I got to correct you on the name of my agency. It's Phaser. Phaser. I'm the worst. Phaser. F-A-Z-E-R. Yeah, F-A-Z-E-R. We're not the TV show, Fraser. And you're not Brendan Fraser. Exactly. You're right. Phaser. Exactly. No, I'm not. Although I hear he just did a great new movie. Anyway, um, you're you're phasing the competition. That's right. That's right. We're stunning them with our nice. phaser. Nice. Set <laughs> anyway. to phase. All right. I I just gave you a new tagline for your agency. You're welcome. All right. Thank so let yeah. so let's talk about positioning and how you would go through it with a client at phaser. Thank you. Uh, so so positioning is when a brand owns a singular idea in the mind of the customer, right? So right now, that singular idea we spoke about earlier for Apple is privacy. Another great example is Volvo, the car company. They own the idea of safety, right? Um, Starbucks owns this idea of community. Like You might actually not think of the word community, but you feel it, right? So it's that singular idea. That's what brand positioning is and how you position a brand in the market is how um, you're going to drive customer perception, right? So then positioning or, you know, once you've positioned a brand in the market, then you can sort of figure out how are we going to strategize our story, our messaging, top line messaging, our narrative, how are we going to design the brand, so forth and so on. So that's really the definition of brand positioning. And you want so me then, to make a list, <laughs> no, no, I would, I would love to, to. So, what is the process when you are coming up with that for for a client? What are the elements that go into that? And does the importance, does the hierarchy of those elements shift from client to client, or does it tend to be fairly absolute in your mind? Well, I mean, every client is different. Every sector is different. Every product is different. Uh, but the things that we look at. Um, and analyze, which I've spoken about a couple times so far, is is you know the the, the customer themselves, you know what are they looking for? What are those desires? You know what's the problem that you're trying to solve for them, right? And then how you position a brand in a market. Uh, the most effective way to do it is to figure those things out, then figure out like what are the positives that you have that are going to shine a negative light onto your competitors. What can you do better? right? What can you do that they can't do? So the one thing that Apple does that Amazon can't do is they deliver privacy. Bam, there's a brand position that we can own, right? Back 20, 30 years ago when Apple started or 40 years ago, it was a long time, right? Um, it was usability and who was the competitor, IBM, right? Or Microsoft, right? Those, those companies weren't delivering on 
beautiful, easy uh, experiences with computers. Apple delivered on that. Suddenly I could have a personal computer. So you're looking at those things, you know, you're digging deep into those, uh, those points about the customer, right? And you're looking deep into the things about competitors, specifically weaknesses. And through that, you come up with a brand positioning. Then once you have the position, so again, let's, you know, say our positioning is privacy. How do we deliver on the story, right? Um, how do we tell people who we are? How do we tell them what we do? How do we tell them why we should matter? And that's where brand purpose comes in because they should care for a reason and we should deliver on things that are good. I do believe brand purpose is important. Um, you know, David Ocker has written a lot of books um, and written a lot on brand purpose. I think his new book is all about brand purpose and it's, it's, it's fantastic. Um, so it is a really key element of it, but you got, you know, just deciding, uh, and defining who you are, what you do, why people should matter, and then how you do things. And it becomes your brand story. And the deeper you tell a story about your brand, about your products, um, the more people are going to care about you. So, um, yeah, I mean, brand, without a doubt, it, it drives desire and uh, in a way that uh, nothing else does. So, Absolutely. Obviously, obviously uh, you and I are big proponents of this brand thing, aren't we? Little bit, little bit. I talk about it every week. I chat about it every week. It's it's kind of a sickness. Um, all right. So a couple things that I want to dig into a little bit more there. So regarding the depositioning and pointing yeah. out where you shine and others don't. Sometimes you want to identify that. Sometimes you want to make it clear who you're talking about and what shortcoming you're talking about. And then I imagine other times you want to make it a little more subtle. You're simply presenting your strengths in a way that subtly highlights the lack. So how do you kind of decide which way to go with that? Does it come down to the brand values and brand voice? Like how, how do you figure out how deep you want to go into the whole depositioning thing? Well, you know, it depends on the client that you're working for in the market. Um, I think what we're always trying to do is find that one big idea, um, like a privacy, uh, that is shines the, shines the brightest light. Now, sometimes you figure it out by uh, doing analysis into the market. You, know, you might test one idea versus the next. Um, most of the time, though, I think when you've got senior executives in the room, you can sort of figure out because they know the market so well and they know the competitors so well. Um, but once you come up on that, you know, on that on that big idea, whether it's privacy, community, safety, whatever, um, you know, you're there. And then it's really about bringing in, you know, the creative team, writers and designers to, uh, you know, define, write the, the verbal brand story and designers to figure out how to do visual storytelling. Right. And that could be through anything from like logo design to just brand design in general. Um, so um, telling that story, the deep storytelling part of it is, is critical as well. I mean, we, we find a lot of brands that come to us, they have a very top line story. It hasn't been filled out enough. Um, and we, we tell them all the time, you got to go deep. The deeper you go, the better. And really understanding messaging hierarchy, right? What's our type line, top line message, right? Um, what's secondary, what's tertiary down the line, and, and really understanding how to um, put it, put things in order. Now, what about when that messaging changes, when that brand yeah. positioning changes? We've seen it done well, to, to yeah. your examples, Apple shifting from primarily being about usability to um, instead hammering home on that privacy message. We've mm -hmm. also seen it done 
poorly. Victoria's Secret comes to mind. They they realize that the body positivity movement and mm-hmm. diversity in in um, who they serve and who they show. Uh, was was kind of forcing their hand, and they did it wrong. They said instead of being sexy and aspirational, we're going to give you, you know, big old burlap sacks, essentially. Um, so they they repositioned in the wrong way. So how do you know as a brand when it is time to shift your positioning, and how do you make sure you're going about it correctly in a way that will actually land? Oh, it's analytics. I mean, you're going to find out right away, you know, you know, either people buy or they don't. So if you make a shift in a positioning, like the way that Victoria's Secrets did it, and it doesn't work, um, you better shift back or shift somewhere else that it is going to work. It's about, you know, moving quickly. And, you know, uh, good chief executives know how to do that and know how to analyze it and know how to make those moves. Um, uh, a friend of mine uh, was working on an account. He's an agency owner, and he was running an account for a big car company. And it was through, I think it was back in 2008, 2009, when the economy was declining, and they had a very conservative CFO who said, let's cut our advertising. Let's just cut it. we got to save money. They cut the advertising, and the sales went away. And they're like, damn, we got to turn it back on. Okay, now we got to turn it back. You know, so they're, they, 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 they followed the advice of a chief executive or – uh, over chief executive who had the wrong opinion, but was pushy enough to make a decision over a chief marketing officer. And they saw what happened, which is sales went away. So in the case of Victoria's Secret, if they're going to make a change like that and they see sales go away, they got to pivot quickly, really, really quickly. And um, it takes strong leadership to uh, make those decisions. What are some but- things you should not tinker with when you're trying to change that positioning? Um, you know, I think it's important to do things that are true and authentic. Um, you know, you can't be selling smoke. It doesn't really go very far, right? Um, you've got to deliver on product. So, you know, sometimes we see clients come to us and they're, they're, they've got a lot of like hyperbolic messaging that's based around something that they don't deliver on. And they're wondering why their sales aren't good. You know, you, you, you got to deliver on every on, on, on every touch point um whether it's brand whether it's product whether it's operations whether it's people um you know it's got to be real authenticity is really important i mean the great thing about apple is they can deliver on privacy they're not just saying they're delivering on it the great thing about starbucks they they actually do deliver on the things that they that they promise so you know that you know you talk about purpose promise whatever yeah you, you know if you're going to make a promise to a to a customer you better deliver Todd, we could talk about this all day long. (laughs) I love this. This has been so wonderfully eye-opening. I'm loving this. And it's definitely making me think about branding in a bunch of different directions. What are kind of your final mic mic drop tips of um, how how to approach brand positioning? I think it's something that, um, I think you have to find an agency to do it. Uh, I don't think that many companies can do it on their own. They try, they fail, then they go and try to find an agency to do it for them. Um, Specifically, if you're going to be doing uh, brand positioning work or brand strategy work, work with an agency that specifically does that. Don't go to a PR agency or a performance marketing agency or a digital marketing agency to do your brand work find an actual brand strategy or or creative agency that actually has been doing it for a long time, 
knows how to do it strategically, understands markets, know how to knows how to analyze markets, and does it in a way that's going to be competitive, as opposed to sort of fluffy, just based around purpose. Um, I think that's a mistake. Um, I feel strongly about it. Um, there are a lot of great agencies out there, um, and uh, you know they're 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 all in the finding on uh, on the Google. <laughs> Indeed. How, how's the Google, Google. on privacy? I kind of wonder. <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you so much for being here, Todd Irwin from Phaser. Please tell the good folks at home where they can find you, why they should find you, and what they will find there. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, also, our agency, Phaser, F-A-Z-E-R. Uh, our website is phaser.agency. Um, you can find me there. Um, happy to talk to anybody about this stuff. Uh, we are total brand strategy nerds. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Todd. This has definitely been very helpful for anyone trying to figure out their brand positioning, especially since the show is airing in January, which is definitely a time for that sort of uh, investigative work more than a lot of other times are. Can't believe it's January already. I know, it's crazy. All right, and thank you, person at home or wherever you are, uh, whether you are listening to this on your podcast player of choice with the Adweek Podcast Network, make sure that you subscribe to Let's Talk About Brand. We drop new episodes every Monday, and if you like it, please leave a review. Or if you're watching the video podcast on YouTube, thanks for being here as well. Also, please subscribe And uh, you can also leave a review if you like it. That's more of a comment situation. But thanks very much. And come back next week when I will be talking to another smart guest about an element of branding. See you then. Thanks for listening to Let's Talk About Brand, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and Acast Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Christine Gritman, executive produced by Al Manorino and John Heil, and edited by Christine Gritman. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcasts. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. <laughs>